Good morning. Welcome to Mayflower Congregational Church on this uh, holiday weekend and this beautiful, beautiful day. Whether you're here in the sanctuary or with us via live streaming, we're happy that you've turned aside to join in worship with us. Please make note that this week at Mayflower, well, announcement, I guess not this week, but a week from Tuesday, the church ladies' lunch will be held, and they're asking you to RSVP to Maris Rosama. And make note that next Sunday, a friend of our congregation, Catherine Lee Baker, who has uh, ministered to us before, she will be speaking next Sunday, and Ruth Bell Olson will be here to lead in the worship. Many of our people are traveling today, and I'm thinking the live streaming may be from all over the country this morning. Uh, Rachel and her family are on vacation. Julia is in Seattle uh, in continuing education and holding some concerts there. And in her absence, we welcome back uh, Jonathan Toot to be with us today, returning Um, As you know, he uh, ministered to this church for about 25 or more years in the past. And I think it would be appropriate if the Mayflower family said welcome to to Jonathan. It's so good to have him. Jonathan will be with us today and next week as well. And thanks to Christy Burkhardt, our cantor of the morning. And a second wonderful Jonathan is with us today. And that is Reverend Dr. Jonathan White, who will be bringing the message of the day. And such a wonderful friend of this congregation. At the end of our service today, we will invite you to come to the table of the Lord. And it is our hope that this will be a day when we encounter the living God. So welcome to all. Whatever your need this day, whatever the burden you bear, whatever you hold close to your heart, may God's grace renew you in this time. And here now, our call to worship from the psalmist. Praise be to God, who has freed us from oppression who has healed our wounded souls. Our hearts rejoice at God's redeeming love. Let us raise our voices in songs of thanksgiving for all that God is doing for us. Come, let us worship the Lord with our whole hearts. May our praise resound with joy. Amen.
let our soul rise up to meet you as, this, as the day rises to meet the sun. We come to bow before you. You are our maker and redeemer. Meet us here in this time as we turn our hearts to you. Amen. The readings for this morning begin with Psalms, chapter 24, verses 3 through 6. 
Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessings from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. And the next reading is from John, chapter 3, verses 25 through 30. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing, and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, A person can receive only what he has given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, and I must become less. The word of the Lord. Jonathan, it's like old times. Jonathan squared. I'm glad to be up here with you, Christy. We don't uh, shout things from our congregation too often, although I often expect it in my sermon saying, John, be quiet. Uh, But uh, last week, my new and dear friend, Steve, announced his retirement and said it was his last day on staff. Tuesday, he was at a worship planning meeting And today he's here. I was going to shout out, Steve, good luck. (laughs) Will you pray with me? Holy One, open our eyes that we may see, our ears that we may hear, our minds that we may think and critically analyze, our hearts that we may care and our hands so that when we leave this place, we leave in service. In the name of all that is holy, in the name of Christ, amen. Wow, what a psalm. It just sums it up. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Those who are holy, those who are good, those who love the Lord, those who do everything right, those who are without sin. I'm not going up the mountain. There's something troubling about that song. Who can go up the mountain? Who can ascend? Well, when we are troubled by that, part of the problem is we are looking the wrong way. We are looking through our egos and not what we really are. Not the people God already knows us to be. Egos are important. I'm an historian, not a um, psychologist. But egos are important. Egos help us develop. Egos allow us to fit in with the family, to develop socially, psychologically, to mature and to grow. But if we only grow into ego, we miss something. Because to approach God, 
we need to let go of our ego and look inside. In Steve's wonderful series, the last three weeks, the first thing we do is look up. And that's what it's like when you look up the mountain. It's scary. It's frightening. And we're not worthy. But the angel comes and cleanses us. And then we're sent on a journey. As Steve said in his second week of the series, we journey inward. We cast off layers of ego. We cast off those projections that we send to others. We cast off our Sunday smiles. We bring our brokenness, our weakness, our tears, our fears, and we start going up the mountain through that inward journey to a true self. And when we encounter the true self, we understand what Jesus said when he was talking with Nicodemus. You have to be born again. It is not your outer shell. It is not what you're projecting to others. It is what you really are. And to know what you really are is what God loves. What God created. Where the Christ inside you lives. If we think back to that wonderful phrase in the Gospel of John, where Jesus is saying goodbye to the disciples, he says something very important about our true being. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. As Christians, we believe that humanity and divinity were united in the person of Jesus the Christ. But Jesus follows that up by saying, I am in you, and you are in me. There is a spark of divinity in every human being. In every human being. When we realize that, we come to the conclusion, as the writer of Hebrews did, that we are coming to something that is not tangible, something that can't be touched, something that is a divine fire. We think of fire and associate it with a hell, more about hell just in a minute. But the divine fire purifies. It takes away the ego, the false self. And it brings us to the presence of God and our holy nature. We are a species that looks for the divine self. We have many names, many traditions. We use different words. But humanity searches for that. For example, we do not say Yeshua ben Yosef. We say Jesus. Does it matter how you say it? 
Does it matter where you contact? God didn't suddenly start loving the world 2,000 years ago. We're touched by that divine fire. Now, there are many ways to read Scripture. And Scripture is nuanced with multiple meanings. Sacred writing, in any religion, sacred writing is nuanced. It is symbolic. A symbol can have multiple meanings that change over time. A symbol can be something that somebody wrote more than 2,000 years ago, like Homer, rosy finger dawn. And its meaning can change and multiply and grow over the centuries. For example, pointing to Steve's first sermon, when the seraph comes with the hot coal, there are literally people in the world who in the middle of prayer have picked up a hot coal and stuck it on their lips. And they end up with third-degree burns, not the experience of being in the Holy of Holies. God purifies. Sacred fire cleanses. God does what we cannot do. And think about this story that the evangelist wrote about John the Baptizer. Many biblical scholars argue that there was a rivalry between John and Jesus. And the writers of the four Gospels that made it into the Bible kind of paper that over. Why, Luke makes John the forerunner. Matthew sends John's disciples to Jesus saying, Are you the one? There's, there's evidence that there may have been a rivalry. And John handles it in today's story. But forget about that for a moment and think about what John is saying. His disciples say, This guy's baptizing. Well, what do you think about that? I told you I'm not the one. Yeah, but everybody's going to him. I told you I'm not the one. Yeah, but we followed you. I must grow less. And he must grow greater. Oh. Ego must grow less. The Christ in us must grow greater. The false self must grow less. The true self must grow greater. That is a holy journey. And when that spark of divinity in us is recognized, when that spark of divinity in us is allowed to grow and flourish, we learn something. We learn something about this table. This table does not belong to the Congregationalist. We learn something about denominations. Denominations shrink to insignificance. Do we disagree? Of course we do. Go to a congregational meeting. The food fight between Catholics and Protestants can be placed aside. And when we learn to look at our true selves, 
we notice something about humanity. Everyone has the same spark of divinity. If we are gifted, we can look past the outer shell and see, see that in others. In philosophy, in differing religions, in differing traditions. And we can pray for those people who are stuck in their outer shell, who are stuck in the false self. As we pray for ourselves so that our sins are forgiven as we forgive others. And we follow the religion that Jesus taught. We're better able to practice the religion that Jesus preached. We're able to set aside more of that ego, more of that shell, more of those projections and be what we truly are. The people God already knows us to be. Who can ascend the holy mountain? Only the pure in heart. Only the worthy. Only those who truly love God. That's your true self. That's what we really are. That is the good news of Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In a moment, the ushers will come to receive our gifts of the day. Hear these words from Psalm 30. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, so that my joy may praise you and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give thanks to your holy name. May we give thankfully today to the work of our generous God. Yes, you're come.
Please be seated. As we approach the table today, the ushers will dismiss you by roads. We invite you to come up and to take the host and to take the cup. We've had questions about when do I partake of it. You can do it immediately while you're up here. You can take it back to your seat and pray and do it. You can wait until everyone is ready and do it together. God doesn't care. (laughs) What is important is that we come to this table. What is important is that we are invited. Let us pray. Gracious Creator and Redeemer, You've called us to be Your people. We come to this table today knowing that You are present with us. We ponder the body and blood and ask that we be nourished by that love poured out on Calvary. As we partake now of these gifts, we remember that greater love has no one than this, that one would lay down their life for a friend. Thank you that we can call you our friend, and we give you the glory for your amazing grace. In Jesus' most precious and beloved name, we pray. Amen. As I said in the sermon, this table does not belong to the church. It belongs to Christ. Christ, who denied nobody the table, including the disciple who betrayed him. Christ, who invites us on a journey to the true self, to the Christ inside us. Christ, who causes us to be born again. Christ, who calls us to the good news, to be evangelos, evangelical, good News That doesn't belong to any political division of the church. That's what the church is. So come from the east and come from the west. Come from the north and come from the south. Young or old, man or woman, Gentile or Jew, gay or straight, come to the table for all is ready. Come to the table. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And said, this is my body, broken for you. Ministering to you, In the name of Christ, we will share the bread. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper. And he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink you all of it. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. That he did this in your behalf. You proclaim that to all. Let us pray again. Living Christ, thank you for this meal that nourishes our body and spirit. By feasting on this bread of life and sharing in the cup of our salvation, we humbly thank you for this great and lasting gift of life and love. We are reminded today of our citizenship. So now we pray that we may be ambassadors of your love to all people in all lands and all places. Strengthen the suffering. Give hope to the faint, O Lord. Bring peace to those who are brutalized by war. 
and vulnerable to hate. We look to the day when your glory and your love will fill your creation. And we ask that even this day, your peace would grow in our hearts and throughout this world. Holy mystery, companion to us through all things, thanks be for your sustaining love. Amen.
body of Christ and the cup of salvation. Be filled. As we have met the Lord at his table, let us now pray with sincere and open hearts the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven,
Please be seated. When Sean was giving his candidating sermon, he talked about the parodical son. And there's a wonderful journey because the son who was after his ego, the son who was worshiping his false self, came to his senses and turned back to the home where he was loved, thinking that he would take the worst job possible. But his father came running to him. And when the other son temporarily forgot himself and said, he went away, I did everything I was supposed to, The father reminded him of his true self. You are always here. Everything I have is yours. What you truly are is what you are. God does not force us to look. God invites us to look. And if we see that spark inside us, God comes running to us. So go from this place laughing, dancing, and singing with joy in your heart. You are in the presence of God, and God will never abandon you, not even at the end of the age. In the name of the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.